We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Hut, 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 hut. This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome into another edition of the Bear Report podcast. And training camp is officially underway for the Chicago Bears as Tuesday was Report Day. For the veterans, uh, rookies and quarterbacks showed up on Saturday, but now here we go, first practice on Wednesday, and things are getting exciting. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, and today we're going to break down the Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace press conference, everything that they said, the biggest storylines, our takes on it, and kind of what to expect moving forward. Before we get into that, though, let me welcome in Aaron here. Aaron, I know we said this leading up here in a couple of weeks here, but finally some meaningful football things to talk about with training camp kicking off. It's about damn time, man. It's, it's great. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause in some ways it feels like it's taken forever in other ways. It doesn't this off season looking back on it realistically feels like it took forever, but luckily here we are, you know, you finally got the, the press conference kickoff today. Everybody has reported to camp. There was no, at least as of right now, it doesn't sound like there was, you know, there was no no shows or anything like that. So now we just kind of have to wait on anybody else being added to the pup, anybody else being added to the COVID list. But so far, it sounds like everything is in a pretty good spot right now, which is good because, um, you know, like we're talking right before we started, you know, recording this, it's like they got about a month and a half, you know, a month and a half before week one starts. And obviously that's Sunday night football against the Rams in Los Angeles. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Like I said, I, I I'm not you know, and, I, and I'll, I'll continue to say this. I'm not overly high on the Bears this year, but I also do think that this is going to be an exciting season in multiple ways. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition on the roster. There's going to be a lot of interesting things within training camp and the preseason to watch for. And I think it's going to keep everybody pretty engaged over this next month and a half. Yeah, you know what? It feels like this off season has dragged on for about two years now. And it kind of has because last year was that COVID year. And it was like, the off season was not normal. And it just kind of feels like, you know, we're waiting for that, you know, from 2019 at the end of the 2019 season. And, and now we're here in 2021. So, but yeah, nonetheless, man, it's going to be exciting. And obviously, you know, Justin Fields is going to be the biggest storyline. Um, no matter what Matt Nagy has said about Andy Dalton, even if Justin Fields is the number two quarterback going into week one, he is the biggest storyline on this team because he is the future of the quarterback position. Now, before we kind of get into what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace said today, you know, I think it's fair we kind of touch on a subject that we have talked about before, and it definitely impacts the Chicago Bears season um, because the Aaron Rodgers drama is finally over. And looking at it, there was, you know, multiple reports coming out over the past 48 hours um, about Rodgers' status. And then the finalized stuff kind of came out yesterday from Adam Schefter where pretty much, you know, to break it down easy, the Packers voided the 2023 year off of his contract. They reworked his contract in a way where essentially this could be his final year. You know, we know he's unhappy according to the reports. And if he is still unhappy at the end of the season, you know, he can move on and the Packers can kind of give him that luxury of picking the team he wants to go to. They can trade him, get some assets back 
um, for him. And then if, you know, somehow this thing is kind of resolved and he's happy again, he can stay in green Bay through 2022. Now, personally looking at it, I think this is it for Rogers. I kind of feel like this is like a band aid that's ready just to kind of fall off. It's just really not sticking to you. Um, it's, it's, they're trying to mend things. And the weirdest thing about this whole situation is not even about essentially Aaron Rodgers is that the report came out that Aaron Rodgers requested the Packers to trade for an aging Randall Cobb who has, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think eight and a half million dollar cap hit this year or something like that on green Bay for a team that's, you know, kind of cap strapped, but that was kind of the weirdest thing about this whole situation for me. Yeah. And you know, it, it, we talked about it at length, right. And I don't think anybody actually had an idea what Rogers was going to do, but I think that we also kind of knew, you know, there's issues here and I don't think any of this is really fixable. And so obviously until we see him get traded, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea right now, I'm looking at his, uh, you know, he's got a $10.4 million cap hit and it looks like it, at least the way I'm looking at it, it kind of seems like, yeah, basically the cash payout um, will be about 8.6. So that'd be right about what Green Bay would have to take. So you're right on the money there. But it's it's just, it's it's weird because, you know, kind of going into this, you know, myself included, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just a different dude. I honestly didn't think he was going to cave. And I look at this as him caving because really what this is, is he wanted financial security. He was also over being with the Packers. And really what this comes down to is this kind of falls exactly into the line of thinking with the Packers where here's a, you know, here's basically here it is. Like you said, they lopped off 2023. So basically they have them under contract for two more years. Right. But the difference is, is because of how they're going to rework his deal this year, they're actually going to gain cap space, which, you know, I guess, you know, this is going to go to Randall Cobb and then they can also, you know, have a little bit more flexibility to get something done with Devontae Adams. And that was also reported yesterday that they've opened up extension talks with him again. So the Packers win, right? They, you know, obviously you don't really want to spend $8.6 million on Randall Cobb. You know, he's still, at least outside of last year, he's, he's still been a pretty solid receiver. Crazy enough, he's only 31 years old. And it's kind of crazy to think about that because it feels like he's been in the league terrorizing the Bears for the last 15 years. But it's kind of hard to tell. When you know you've got Randall Cobb, Donald Driver, Devontae Adams, James Jones, like I mean, the list just goes on and on. Jordy Nelson, like there's just all sorts of guys that have just completely terrorized the Bears over the course of the last 15 or 20 years. But I can't help but feel like with this Rogers situation, Green Bay won. Like the the Packers won this battle because not only do they get another year's worth of development sitting behind Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. So you're going to have basically three years of development at very worst in this kind of situation going into 2022. But you also get a situation where you're able to clear a little bit more money. And then, you know, next year, you're going to be able to clear even more money with getting Rodgers out of the way. Obviously, there'll be some dead money. But, you know, it's one of those situations where the Packers basically get their wish. They say, okay, okay, cool. We get our quarterback for another year. We obviously know that the guy we drafted in the first round last year isn't close to being ready. Every single action that they've that they've had so far has shown that. So all of a sudden you get one more run at, you know, basically trying to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, in the meantime, then even next year, because he's still going to be under control and at least the way it's been kind of worded out is that if he's still not happy next year, that the Packers will trade him without an argument. So, but even, even if that's the case, the Packers still win because it's not like they lop two years off of his deal. This is it. It's not like the Brady deal, which originally is what it looked like. It's not like the Brady deal where they lopped off everything and basically it voided out next year. And he had the opportunity to be a free agent. Like Aaron Rodgers is still going to be under contract, which means green Bay is still going to be able to get quite a few draft picks from him. And that's kind of the thing where you look at it. And it's like, so basically Aaron Rodgers' money doesn't change. He still has to play for the organization that he supposedly dislikes now because of the leadership. So really you know, they could say, well, he has some control next year. Okay. Well that's fine. You know, but at the same time, like, 
let's just say hypothetically speaking, uh, Las Vegas wants to stay with Derek Carr next year. And then you look at, you know, obviously the, the Chargers situation and you look at the Rams situation, those aren't going to be options. And you look at San Francisco's situation, that's not an option anymore because they have Trey Lance. So really out of all the supposed West Coast teams that he could get traded to, uh, you know, unless he somehow goes to Seattle, really the only other team that makes sense right now is the Denver Broncos. And, you know, who knows? There's been some reports leaked out there that they're not really sure that they want to trade for him. But the point being here is, is even next year, if he forces a trade, there's no guarantee that he's going to end up going to a team that he wanted to play with to begin with. So again, it you can't help but feel like the Packers handled this and played this absolutely perfectly. Okay, you know, maybe you're not going to have your guy, but at the same time, that was kind of your plan going into this entire thing when you drafted Jordan Love. And I know a lot of people want to slam the Packers for say, well, why would you draft Jordan Love when Aaron Rodgers is still your quarterback? But I think a lot of people seem to forget that Aaron Rodgers up until this past year, had been a very, very average quarterback, probably above average, but he wasn't nearly the MVP caliber player that he was in 2020. So I think the biggest question moving forward for the Packers and how it relates to the Bears is going to be what quarterback do they get out of Aaron Rodgers in 2021? Is it going to be a motivated guy that wants to be able to go to basically any team that he wants to go to that would trade for him? Or is it going to be a guy that's basically like, well, you know, I kind of have to take this. And, you know, is, is he going to be one of those guys that the first time he gets hit the wrong way, he's going to be out for six weeks. So the first time something happens and, you know, he, he gets himself hurt. Like he played on a tour in MCL or whatever the heck it was. I can't remember. He, he played on something back in 2018. Uh, and that actually happened in the bears game week one, when he went out, so it's like, does he play through something like that now? So now those are the questions that have to be answered. This is what I'll say, though. I think assuming everything goes normally and things are able to get at least edged out for the rest of the season, and I, I think you would agree with me at this point, I think I, I think the Packers have to be the overwhelming favorite to win the NFC North, which, again, isn't really a huge deal to the Bears because I don't think the Bears are expecting to win a division and win a Super Bowl this year. I think their focus is going to be on 2022 and beyond. There's still a lot to gain from this year. But really all this means is we got to watch Aaron Rodgers basically probably dominate the NFC North, dominate the Bears for two more games and root for them to lose in the playoffs. Yeah, and at least it's only one year, though. Well, I, I'm, I'm like 90% sure it's only going to be one year. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, you see these predictions come out, and, yeah, I love Bears fans, but when these predictions come out, and I tweeted the USA Today ones, I thought it was fair for the Bears where they had them. I got so many comments like, you know, how can the Packers win 12 games? You know, Rodgers not coming back. This should not be a surprise to anyone. If you're surprised by Aaron Rodgers coming back, this year, you know, I don't know what you were thinking. It was fun to have the drama. Um, the Packers got a little bit of, of some quarter, a taste of some quarterback drama. But, I mean, realistically, we knew he was coming back. That's why no one should have got their hopes up. The good news is, though, it does feel like this is the last year of this. It feels like this is the last year of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers taking full control of the NFC North. And I think they're going to hand the keys over to Jordan Love, try to get something done with Devonta Adams, so at least he has – kind of that safety net at wide receiver there um, along with Aaron Jones, who they signed to an extension last off season, um, you know, as well. So yeah, you know, the Rogers stuff's over, it's done. We shouldn't have been surprised by the conclusion and you're right. I don't think the bears are set to contend this year. I think you're looking more at 2022 and 2023 as realistic contending options. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Now, speaking of the Bears here, let's kind of dive into what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy said. And it was a long press conference. It's about 35, 40 minutes, I want to say, somewhere in that, in that range, as it always is. Um, they're not in the practice field today. They've had three practices for rookies. And kind of one thing that stood out to me that Matt Nagy said early on about those three practices was, was about Justin Fields. And the quote was pretty much, you know, we could tell he did his homework this offseason. And Fields told us after the mandatory mini camp that, you know, he's going to take a vacation now. He's got to an extra week after that. Then he's going to take a vacation. He's going to come back early and kind of work on things and get ready for training camp. And, you know, for me, it's, this guy really put in the work this offseason. He really did go on vacation and come back earlier before camp to put in the work, learn the playbook, study everything, get his body ready. And what Matt Nagy also said was how he commands the huddle, gets in and out, the playbook, stuff like that. You know, they they had the the mental drill where he's like talking into his into the cell phone or, or whatever they were doing with the um with the play calls, things like that. Um, recording himself. And I thought that was an interesting quote because it looks to me as if Justin Field is ready. It doesn't matter what Matt, not ready to be the starter, but doesn't matter what Matt Nagy says. Justin Fields is ready to try and take Andy Dalton's job here going into training camp and he'll have that chance. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, actually, you know, not that they said a whole lot today, but I feel like outside of, you know, basically out of all the press conferences that they have throughout the year, I think that this is probably one of the more beneficial ones. I think really the only other one that's probably a little bit more beneficial is actually the one right before the season starts because you kind of get a little bit more of a glimpse into what they're thinking and, and so on and so forth. But what I will say is, is that I feel like you could, especially seeing Matt Nagy there and really seeing Ryan Pace, Ryan Pace is definitely more stoic. Matt Nagy is definitely more emotional, but I think both of them feel pretty good about where they're at moving into the season. And again, you know, the objective in any sport is to win, obviously, but I think that for the bears, it needs to be a more long-term view, right? Where, I don't think that they feel great about winning a Super Bowl this year. I think they feel great knowing that the guy that they've basically thought, I mean, everybody thought they had no chance at getting, falls at number 11. They make the heroic trade up to trade up for him. And so far, he has been everything as billed, if not more. And obviously, we're just not getting in the training camp. This is when things start to get real. Then we'll see him in the preseason. And at some point during the season, God only knows when that'll happen. But I do think that they've they've tempered expectations th- this entire offseason you know Andy Dalton's a starter you know is there anything that that can you know that can happen to change that no Andy Dalton's our starter and then all of a sudden today it's like you start kind of seeing Matt Nagy talk about the offense and so many questions and rightfully so were brought up about Justin Fields and where he's at and even with Ryan Pace and you could both tell how happy they were with him and again this only means so much because we're going to start to see exactly where he's at and you know even that's not really a final determination by any means but what i thought was most interesting about today especially on the Justin Fields front was he Matt Nagy was point blank asked is there anything that Justin Fields can do to convince you that he can, you know, that to win the starting job week one. And Matt Nagy basically talked in circles and talked in circles. And really the only thing that he said was, man, I really hope that he comes out and just blows us away. That would be, you know, essentially a great problem to have, but at no point this first time off season, at no point did he say, no, there's nothing that Justin Fields can do to win the starting job. He basically said, we're going to take this day by day we're going to see every everybody, you know, all three of these quarterbacks, which is BS, because we know that Nick Foles is not in, in the running to, you know, challenge for a starting job unless two catastrophic injuries happen. You know, he said all three of these guys know that they're in a competition on a day-to-day basis to win the starting job. So really what this comes down to is, and again, I still don't expect Justin Fields to start week one, but I think now that we're moving into camp, now that we saw, you know, they were able to see what he was able to do in OTAs and the mini camp, and then him coming in, you know, a few days earlier, a week earlier, however long he's been here. And then uh, Nagy also mentioned something today about how Justin Fields is actually the only one in the building today out of the quarterbacks. And that was kind of a design thing. 
and basically said, you know, how much he's been gaining from all these experiences and how much he was able to take away, um, you know, from basically getting sent home with quote unquote homework and how well he's done with it. Those are the kind of things that you want to hear and that you want to see. And again, we've talked about this multiple times on the quarterback front. None of the focus should be on Andy Dalton right now. If Andy, regardless of how Andy Dalton plays, I mean, really, the only thing is if Andy Dalton looks like crap, then, you know, that, I guess that could be bad in terms of the win-loss total, depending on if he starts out the season. But the focus needs to be on Justin Fields and his development. How does Justin Fields look? Not how does Justin Fields look versus Andy Dalton, but how does Justin Fields look as a whole? And at least it sounds like to start it all out, it sounds like he's been impressive, which, I mean, really, if you've done any background on the guy and if you've listened to anybody who's been around him, this was to be expected. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, Justin Fields is going to be the focal point of training camp. What he does matters. And I'm still in the theory, and I think you agree, as we've talked about this, that they're going to set the bar so high that it's a win-win for them because they are comfortable with Andy Dalton starting. And I think, you know, if Andy Dalton starts week one, he's not finishing the season as a starter. You don't trade up 10 spots to draft Justin Fields and have him sit on the bench for most of the year. I don't care what Matt Nagy said. I don't care about these questions that keep coming up about Patrick Mahomes, every press conference and how it's so similar because it's not, it's two different situations. I think Justin Fields will eventually start. I think what he does matters more than anything in this training camp. He's going to be the focal point and Andy Dalton's just kind of the bonus. And, and, you know, I will say this, Andy Dalton's really, really handled this professionally. I mean, they, they, they essentially bring him in to be the star. They tell him, they didn't know they're going to get Justin Fields. They had no idea. Obviously, you know, Justin Fields is probably the top quarterback outside of Trevor Lawrence or maybe, you know, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance if they knew that they were going to go in that top three. But, you know, they didn't really know or have everything cemented when they signed Andy Dalton. So, yeah, he's handled it well. He's been helping out Justin Fields, which is a plus to see. Um, and I think it's just going to be fun to watch throughout training camp. Something else we should kind of touch on here before we get too far into this press conference. In terms of reporting um, to today, Eddie Goldman is there. That's great news. Um, our friend Bill Zimmerman had the report, uh, God, what was it, like three and a half weeks ago, something like that. And then the Tribune kind of confirmed that report that Goldman was going to show up. And while Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were talking, they couldn't 100% confirm that uh, because they actually, the players were reporting as they were speaking. So it's not like they're kind of peeking their head in and out. But later on, Roquan Smith um, confirmed it, saying he's he, that was Eddie Goldman was one of the first people he saw in the building. Everyone says he looks to be in really good shape, no concerns. And I think you know it's a big topic because we can't underestimate how important Eddie Goldman is to this defense. Nose tackle is not a job that is easy. You're, it's just not one you step into and you can just do. You're kind of born to be a nose tackle. It's, it's just one of those positions where it gets really physical and dirty and, you know, whatever in, in those scrums down there in the trenches. And I give props to Bilal Nichols last year because that's kind of where they slotted him for most of the year and he had a breakout season. But now you got Eddie Goldman back. That's a big key to the puzzle because now up front, he can take on more blocks. That's going to open things up for Roquan Smith. It's going to open up things for Danny Trevathan. It's going to open up things for guys on the line like Mario Edwards when he returns, uh, Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, stuff like that. I'm glad he's there. And I think it's going to be a big boost to Chicago's defense, especially in the first year under Sean Desai. Well, shout out, first of all, to Bill Zimmerman um, of Sirius XM and also writes with me over at Windy City Gridiron as well. Because, I mean, he had this, what was it, been about a month ago now that Eddie Goldman was coming back when, you know, a lot of people were speculating he was retiring or whatever it may be. So very, very glad, obviously, that he was right there. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things that was weird for me last year because I've always been a big Eddie Goldman stand. I, I think Eddie Goldman's importance to this defense – goes well beyond just him being a run-stuffing nose tackle and all the things that he does so well for the Bears and how important he is to this defense. And I felt like a lot of people – not even felt. I mean, I saw it. A lot of people undervalued him. A lot of people thought, you know, they, it seemed like every year, well, you know, when he got that extension, why are they paying Eddie Goldman this kind of money when he doesn't ever get to the quarterback? And then last year it was, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal because he doesn't really get to the quarterback and he's just a run stuff for the Bears. All, defense will be completely fine. And as we saw last year, that was not the case. And again, that's not really an, an indictment against 
uh, Bilal Nichols because Bilal Nichols has never, ever, ever been a nose tackle. He was more of a, you know, he's always been more of a five tech, a three tech, even an edge rusher at some points. You know, going back to his time at, uh, well, was it Delaware, right? I think it was Delaware. Is that where he played? It was some small school. Either way, point being. Yeah, it was, yep, it was Delaware. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not, you know, he, he's never been a nose tackle. So, you know, hats off to him last year. I think Bilal Nichols is due for a big year, and hopefully the Bears can get him extended before he gets to the free agent market and makes things more expensive. I think he's kind of their, you know, their replacement plan for Akeem Hicks after this year. But, yeah, Eddie Goldman coming back is huge. Eddie Goldman being in the building is huge. And it'll be interesting to see where his condition's at. Obviously, if anybody has social media, especially Instagram, I think a lot of people have seen the videos of him working out. It looks like he's ready to go. They posted a picture on the Bears Twitter not too long ago and on the website. He looks like he's in good shape. Obviously, that means nothing. I think they're doing conditioning today before practice tomorrow. So it'll be very interesting. But, you know, as we've talked about multiple times, um, you know, the Bears have put a lot of value and focus into the front seven of this defense. And they've, they haven't put, a, in my opinion, they haven't put a care in the world into their cornerback uh, position this year they've made it substantially worse so you know eddie goldman's going to be big on that front because again you know last year we saw keem hicks get off of that hot start where he had what was it three and a half or four and a half sacks over the first four four uh games of the season and then nothing after that and i think a big part of that was because eddie goldman plays many roles on this team and while he may not get to the quarterback consistently and he may be a really good run stuffer. He's also that guy that anchors the middle of that defensive line and is able to take some of the pressure off that other, you know, interior defensive lineman and also the edge rushers as well. So I think having him back in a, you know, full-time, and when I say full-time capacity, I mean, you know, 60, 65% of the snaps, because that's usually what nose tackle plays. Uh, I think that's going to be huge. I mean, this is, this is a, in terms of additions, uh, for the Bears' defense, th- that was their biggest addition on the defensive side of the ball this entire offseason. Yeah, and you know the run game is going to get a lot. The run defense is going to get a lot better with Eddie Goldman. I hope he's not really running the football every game, but yeah, the rush defense is going to get a, a lot better with Eddie Goldman. Um, everything just kind of opens up a little more, especially up front because his impact is so big. Um, you know, eating up blocks and creating pressures and stuffing running backs, things like that. And it'll, it'll allow, you know, Roquan Smith and Danger Raytheon kind of play a little bit more downhill than uh, what they were last year. So it's going to be big. And Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You know, kind of sticking with the defensive side of the football, something else I found that was very interesting that Matt Nagy said, and it was you know, asked towards the end of the uh, presser, it was kind of about the defense and takeaways. And Matt Nagy flat out said that they're going to put an emphasis on forcing takeaways this year because they have struggled doing so the last two years. After that incredible 2018 season in which they were tops in the league and forcing takeaways, you know, they finished bottom 10 in back-to-back years in, in 2019-2020. And now you have a guy in Deshaun Desai who's kind of learning. You know, he spent time learning under Vic Fangio. That's kind of his mentor. He's taking over as defensive coordinator, and it's important to get these takeaways. Um, and not only that, but setting your offense up into great field position, kind of changing the game. But for me, while Matt Nagy can say um, – but they want to see interceptions. They want to see people, you know, try to strip that football out in practices. I look at this and, and I kind of point to the secondary mainly because 
Eddie Jackson's going to need a bounce back here. He had a couple interceptions called back last year, had a couple dropped interceptions. He just did not have the season you want him to have last season. And then you look, you know, Desmond Trufant wasn't on this roster at all last season. Jalen Johnson didn't have an interception. Um, I don't believe Kendall Vilder or Duke Shelley had one. Uh, I could be wrong. If they did, it was, you know, one or two combined. They really don't have a lot of experience outside of Tashawn Gibson and, you know, Eddie Jackson, who, who kind of needs to have a bounce back here, enforcing takeaways. I, I like the mentality, and I hope they do put an emphasis on that because that's been something that's really been missing. And they don't even need to get to that 2018 level because that was almost historic what they did in 2018. It's going to be hard to kind of duplicate it. They need to get back into that, you know, top 15, top 10 uh, type range this year, enforcing takeaways. Yeah, well, and that was that was something that Matt Nagy was asked, you know, what are your expect, expectations of this defense this year? And he said, take takeaways. Now, it was that simple. He, he just basically started naming off every form of takeaway that you could possibly have on the defensive side of the ball. And that has to be the focus. And that was kind of what he talked about going back to 2018 and how the Bears' defense was so dominant. I mean, all you have to do is just kind of rewind in your mind a little bit and think about some of those games that they won that year and the ways that they won them. I mean, going back to the, you know, the Thanksgiving game, uh, you know, against the, the Lions and how close of a game that was with Chase Daniel starting at quarterback. And the thing that sealed them the game was two key interceptions. One was the pick six from Eddie Jackson and then one at the very, very end of the game where Kyle Fuller picked it off in the end zone um, from uh, their tight end, Michael Roberts. And then, you know, you, you look at some of those other games, the Rams game. I mean, what did they have? Like four, I think it was like four or five interceptions. The same thing against, you know, Kirk Cousins. They had multiple interceptions, including a pick six late in the game when they were kind of starting to give up some of that lead. So it's one of those things when you look at it and you look at how the Bears defense really, I mean, if you go back, I mean, just go back to the Lovey Smith era, takeaways have always been a huge identity and usually if you're winning the turnover battle and you're winning it in a big way you're going to be a pretty good team and i think at least me i i I feel like it's realistic this is the first time in a few years i feel like it's realistic to expect the bears offense to take a step in the right direction this year and i'm sure we'll kind of talk about that because that was another thing that that manegi was asked about and if there's going to be any you know philosophical changes offensively with the speed I think we can. I think we can probably all expect that the offense, whether Justin Fields is, is starting or Andy Dalton is starting, I think the offense is going to be better, right? Um, obviously, there's some questions there, but I think in overall talent, I think they're definitely better there. But I think the defensive side of the ball is the real question mark, and I think a big way for them to kind of get back to. I mean, they were roughly a top ten defense last year, but I think a lot of us can agree that. Well, they might have been a top 10, top 12 defense last year. They still really weren't that good, and they weren't the same defense, especially moving down the stretch. And a big reason for that was two. was One, they weren't getting to the quarterback nearly consistently enough. And two, they weren't forcing those takeaways. And that was something that, you know, again, going back to 2018 and sometimes even in 2019, having those key takeaways at the end and in, in big parts of those games were a big reason why they were able to win. So, yeah, I, I, I think – in order for this defense to kind of make up for some of the talent that they lost, especially at corner, uh, you know, takeaway is going to be a big part. And that doesn't just mean interceptions. I mean, you know, obviously Eddie Jackson's got to step up and, and got to bounce back in a big way. Uh, Jalen Johnson has always been a ball hawk, you know, going back to his days at Utah. You know, there, there are multiple different areas in which they're able to get interceptions, but also, you know, stopping the run and, and getting forced fumbles and, you know, sacks and the different things that come along with that. Like there's multiple ways to get turnovers and they're not just all reliant on the corners getting interceptions or the safeties getting interceptions. So, yeah, I mean, there's still, I mean, when you look at this, when you look at the defensive roster, there's still quite a bit of talent there. I mean, really, I think, I feel like if, if the bears had gone out and signed somebody like Steven Nelson or Bashad Breland, I don't think we would feel crazy confident about the corners, but I think we would feel comfortable enough to say, okay, this defense can still be pretty dang good. I think really moving into the preseason and the season, the big question is going to be on those corners. And, you know, also how big of an impact is Sean Desai kind of going back to the Vic Fangio fundamentals? How how beneficial is that going to be of the Bears? Because while there wasn't drastic changes by any means, I do think going from Fangio to Pagano 
also really didn't it just didn't help them out so hopefully getting back to the right philosophy is going to help them out defensively and hopefully that will that will lead to more takeaways yeah and obviously you know the secondary is going to be the biggest question mark um, for the Bears defense because you know outside of Robert Quinn who reported a little early to camp and and according to Ryan Pace looks good should be ready to go and there's essentially two battles in that secondary for starting jobs. And it's, it's a battle where it's, you know, Desmond Trufant, Kendall Vilder, Duke Shelley, Artie Burns, guys like that, Trey Roberson, um, maybe Tease Tabor, who, who knows? There's not a lot of certainty there. And there's some even uncertainty with Jalen Johnson's ability to be able to stay healthy and play a full season. And when we kind of talk about the secondary today, you know, the bears did bring up one name in particular and a question asked, and it was Kendall Vilder. And, they said, you know, I believe it was Ryan Pace said they have a lot of confidence in Kendall Vilder to kind of take that next step this year and win a starting job. I mean, they're going to have to. They're essentially banking on, you know, Shelley or Vilder having breakout years or Trufant and, you know, Artie Burns and Tease Tabor having or even Trey Roberson having career revivals and breaking out. Um, they also did talk about Desmond Trufant a little bit um, saying that, you know, it was kind of unfortunate. He had some you know soft tissue stuff last year that kind of kept him out. This secondary is going to be a big question mark and it's been a big question mark all off season. They, they really haven't addressed it aside from bringing in Trufant um, re-signing to Sean Gibson was another move, bringing back Deion Bush but, you know, they didn't really go out and target a, a big cornerback or, or someone and spent the money in that area. They really didn't have the money. Um, they really didn't target it much in uh, in uh, the draft either, aside from Thomas Graham, who could be a surprise. But, man, defensive back could be a big weakness for this team. And if that's the case and, you know, the front seven struggle to get pressure, it could be a long year for that secondary. Now, if the front seven get back on track and get pressures and Robert Quinn can play well and – and, and be the guy that they hoped you know, they were getting when they signed them, it makes things a little bit easier on your secondary as well. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I mean, I, I think their their thought process is moving into this thing is if their front seven performs the way it should, which they have a lot of money. I mean, they have a lot of money invested in it, whether you got Eddie Goldman, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks, and obviously Khalil Mack, who's still one of the highest paid defensive players in the league. You know, they overpaid for Robert Quinn, uh, you know, uh, Tauchu's, uh, you know, there as well. I mean, they, they went off and spent money on uh, Mario Edwards Jr. this year. And the same thing with Angelo Blackson. I mean, there's, there is more than enough, and they're about to, you know, have to pay. As we talked about last week, they're about to have to pay Roquan Smith quite a bit of money. And the same thing with Danny Gervaithan. I mean, he's basically making six million dollars a year, so they've got plenty enough invested in that in that front seven. And obviously, they're going to have to pare that down. But it's just, you know, it's going to be very interesting. I think more than anything, I know a lot of people are going to focus on quarterback, rightfully so, offensive line stuff like that. To me, the the most interesting and nerve-wracking battle that we're going to see in camp this year is going to be uh, at corner because, you know, you got Jalen Johnson, who, again, I was really high on Johnson coming out of uh, of college, and I think he can be a really good player, but I think the big thing with him is obviously going to be health with that shoulder thing, you know, the shoulder issue that he's consistently had. And then outside of that, you have a bunch of unknowns. Is Desmond Trufant going to be a guy that somehow, you know, revitalizes his career? Ryan Pace talked today about that he still thinks that he can be a sticky guy in man coverage. We'll see. I mean, really hasn't been healthy. And when he's been healthy the last two years, granted, it's been, you know, in different coverage schemes, but he really hasn't been good at all. Uh, and then obviously Kendall Vildor is kind of the name to watch for. Uh, Duke Shelley, Thomas Graham, uh, Trey Roberson, Artie Burns, maybe. I know they really liked him in camp last year before he tore his ACL. That's the thing is, it's not like there's not some upside there. There's some untapped potential for sure. I think really the bigger question at corner right now is, do they have anybody who can consistently perform? And it'll be interesting to see because, you know, I, I would say this. I would say, especially with Kendall Vildor, and, you know, and even to a certain extent, Jalen Johnson, just because he was a little down before he got hurt, you, you can't judge rookie cornerbacks too harshly just because it's a very, very tough transition, a lot like quarterback, a lot like tight end, a lot of those positions where it's going to take some time for them to be able to adjust. So this is going to be a very telling year, in my opinion, for guys like, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Johnson and obviously Kendall Vildor. I think 
Vildor is kind of the guy with the spotlight on him right now, just because you would like to see him. He's a little undersized, but you'd like to see him win one of the jobs, whether it's, you know, inside at nickel or whether it's that, you know, the, the other boundary spot opposite of Jalen Johnson. Um, and again, there, there is some untapped potential there. I think just the big thing moving forward is until we kind of start seeing this play out, there's just a lot of unknown. And to me, this mirrors the 2020 Vikings a little too much for my taste where they spent a lot of draft picks, um, you know, and then they basically let all three of their, you know, starters from 2019 walk, obviously a little different situation from the bears. Um, and then, I mean, that they were a dumpster fire defensively last year because they couldn't get their cornerback situation figured out. So we'll see. I, you know, it's again, I mean, that's the one position on this roster where I have a lot of questions because if they can figure out corner and if corner is not going to be an issue for them this year, I think that their defense can absolutely be top 10 again this year. So if you're looking at, you know, a similar defense to what we've seen in the last two years and you, you, you actually have an improving offense with more speed and more upside at quarterback. I mean, this team could surprise if all those things go right. I just, again, I have, I have, have a lot of questions whether that can actually go. Another thing that we uh, we should probably talk about before we kind of wrap things up, though, that I, I thought was a little interesting um, was when Matt Nagy was asked about playing, um, you know, players and starters in the preseason. And we all know what happened in 2019. He opted not to. Uh, I think the starters barely got a couple reps in any of the preseason games. And it kind of backfired on him. And I know what Matt Nagy was trying to do. He was trying to keep his players protected, didn't want to get any injuries because at the time they thought, you know, Mitchell Trubisky was going to take that next step in his development. It just totally backfired. And he's hinted at this before that he would have played his starters last year if there was a preseason. This year the preseason kind of gets trimmed down to three games here. And Matt Nagy's answer today was he's going to lean more on the aggressive side and play more guys in the preseason. And with, you know, position battles at wide receiver, with position battles at defensive back, um, and guys that, you know, behind starters that need reps, um, you look at inside linebacker, maybe edge rushers, safety, um, and the offense, you know, the offensive line is a lot of guys are probably going to need some reps. And then at quarterback, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of, you know, plans this out. And I think this definitely benefits someone like Justin Fields. Um, Andy Dalton's going to get reps too, because Nagy said, you know, he's still learning as well. He's kind of got to, got to have the offense down a little more and, and learn it through the off season and, and training camp and preseason. This is going to benefit someone like Justin Fields. Justin Fields comes out hot in training camp and continues into the preseason. He's definitely going to get those chances in preseason against, you know, other teams and whether, you know, taking on the bills or joint practices with the Miami dolphins, things like that. He's going to have his chance to shine and win the starting job. I'm happy though. I think it's a good thing that Matt Nagy leans more towards the aggressive side. I know the injuries are also always a risk, but you don't want your team to come out rusty and come out flat. Um, you know, we saw last season that they really, I don't, I don't think they were fully rusty last season. They got off to the, was a four and one start before they kind of collapsed. And last season is kind of one of those very, very small examples. I don't think, and I hope we don't see anything like that again, but with more reps um, with more playing time, I think it's beneficial to, every player in the roster. Obviously, I don't think we'll see guys like Cleo Mack and, and um, Akeem Hicks as much, Allen Robinson, players like that. But we should see a good amount of reps for most of the roster going into the preseason. Well, I think, you know, when you, when you look at the Bears, you know, week one over the last, you know, well, basically since, what, 2014? Because 2000, it was funny because that was the year that they played the Bills week one. And I think a lot of people expected them to win that game. They didn't. I mean, they're one, what is it, one and six in their last one and five or one and six. I'd have to do the math on that. Either way, they won one game, one week, one game. And that was this last year, uh, you know, since 2000, since 2014. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you kind of go back and you look. And I remember a lot of people. People were up in arms that first year when Matt Nagy was, you know, when he basically said, yeah, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to play our guys. Uh, well, actually, I think it was 2000, was it 2019 was really the year where he yeah. just kind of shocked everybody and was like, and, you know, people kind of panicked and obviously they weren't very good. And they've kind of really, in my opinion, I think you can make an argument that last year they kind of came out flat too, because really, if it wasn't for that incredible comeback 
that they had in week one against the Lions. I mean, that's not a game that they're going to win. And realistically, if, you know, if, if uh, Swift makes that catch in the end zone with whatever that was, like 16 seconds left to go after Danny Trevathan got burned, you know, twice in two plays, then we're not even talking about that as a win. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that at this point in time, and, and again, like you pointed out, you you have to be smart, right? You don't you don't put guys like Khalil Mack out there for too long. You don't put guys like Allen Robinson out there for too long. You don't put your valuable veterans that you know are going to be starting. You get them some reps reasonably, but you don't put them out there for a lot. But I think the biggest difference this year versus a lot of other years, and this is something we've talked about, is that there's a lot of competition for starting spots all of this roster. I mean. Look at quarterback. I mean, quarterback is, you know, the obvious one. Look at receiver. They're, you know, obviously Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are going to be starting, but then who's going to be your third and fourth receivers? Your your primary guys that you're going to be seeing, you know, anywhere from, you know, 30 to 70% of the game, you know, where, you know, who are those guys going to be? And then you look at tight end, it's kind of the same thing where, yeah, I guess, you know, things are mostly figured out. Um, but then you look at the uh, offensive line and it's like, so you got, you probably have your interior figured out. I don't think they're going to do much shuffling there. But then what about both tackle spots? You got, you got a, basically a bunch of new names outside of a Fetty who really wasn't, wasn't signed to play tackle in the first place. You know, you got a bunch of questions there and then you look at the defensive side of the ball and, you know, corner is the same exact way. You got to look at that and you got to figure that out and you got to figure out some of these other, you know, back end, uh, you know, you know, defensive guys, even the defensive line, you got to, you have to figure out who is your rotation going to be outside of Hicks, Goldman, and Nichols, you know, you, you've got a guy, Mario Edwards Jr., who's going to be suspended for the first two games of the year. You've got a guy in Angelo Blackson, Kyrus Tonga. There's a lot of different questions on this roster. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because I actually think it's going to make for a very interesting. I think there's a lot more competition on this roster than it has been in years past. I think it's going to make for a very interesting camp and preseason. But I think because of that, you're going to see more starters and more guys who could potentially be starters out on the field. And like you pointed out, I think the biggest group that this actually helps is going to be quarterback. We know Nick Foles is not going to be starting week one. We know the focus is going to be on Andy Dalton and, and, and uh, Justin Fields to really truly figure out who's going to be the starter. I still, again, I still lean towards Andy Dalton, but that's before we've seen anything. Who knows? I mean, we could, we could see Justin Fields come out and he lights everything up, but the, the best thing about this is he's going to get every opportunity in the world to be able to prove himself. And I think Andy Dalton's also going to get a pretty decent chance to get his feel in the offense and really get his reps in too. So it's going to, again, I, I think it's going to be very interesting, especially with only three preseason games this year. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Nick Foles at all. And I think obviously I think going into that third preseason game, I think they like to have things figured out at the quarterback position and just assuming that they do, whoever wins that, I think you're going to see basically the backup and then Foles for the majority of that game. So I think the first two preseason games are going to be the most interesting. And I think that last one is where they're going to kind of go in the conservation mode and they're going to see who's going to win the remaining battles. Man, Foles is just such an expensive third quarterback arm. Like it's just, it's to the point where it's like, someone has to take him because he's just sitting there and he's costing the bears cap space. But nonetheless, um, you know, my final thing before we kind of wrap things up and I'm glad you brought this up as competition. I think that's going to be the biggest theme of this training camp. You know, there's always battles in training camp. It just feels like this year there's going to be more competition at more positions um, in, in training camp. And that's a good thing because it gives us more to write. It gives us more to pay attention to. And, you know, it's, it's good storylines for the, for the team and the writers. I'm also looking forward to this quarterback competition because last year I had to sit through about 16 practices of mediocre quarterback play between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. And it was a slow, hot, miserable 16 practices um, out of house hall and the one at soldier field. So that, I mean, obviously that's the one I'm kind of looking forward to the most, but you look, you know, defensive back um, wide receiver, even spots at depth, you know, you, you have backup inside linebacker uh, backup defensive backs, backup safeties, potentially who's going to play where on the offensive line. Um, I think the running back room is going to be fascinating to kind of keep an eye on, especially with, you know, Tariq Cohen, if he's going to be out long or not, um, things like that. And, uh, and of course, the, the big one for me is, is obviously going to be wide receiver outside of the quarterback position, but it'll be fun to watch and kind of pay attention to. And I think, you know, competition almost just might be that kind of key word for this training camp. I agree. I, I, you know, I, I'm legitimately excited for camp and obviously I won't be there, but, you know, getting updates and then preseason, I, I, I just think, 
there's a lot more questions to be answered this year. And I don't particularly see that as a bad thing because the bears roster is in transition, right? I mean, we, we all know this and they need guys that are not, you know, that aren't on their second contracts. They need guys that are on their rookie deals or, you know, or undrafted free agents or whatever it may be to step up and fill some of these roles, because that's how you sustain success. And that's how you keep your, you know, your cap hit it's low on those kind of spots. So you're not having to go out and pay guys one, one and a half million to be able to fill those same roles. So I think there's a, again, I don't have overly high expectations for the bears this season. Like you pointed out earlier, I think USA today was seven and 10. I've got them at eight and nine. I think seven and 10, you know, anywhere from basically seven to nine wins is a pretty reasonable expectation in my opinion. But you know, again, I think there's also a lot to be gained, a lot to be learned and a lot to be excited about moving into this season and going through this season, because I, you know, obviously with that seventh wild card or sorry, the seventh seed, the third wild card being added in, it always gives you more incentive. And especially now that, you know, at, at an eight and eight and 18 conceivably can't win that because, you know, there's 17 games. I think that we're going to see more competitive football in terms of, you know, competitive in terms of, you know, those final playoff spots down to the wire. And I expect the bears to be hanging in till, you know, probably the last few weeks of the season, if not the last week of the season, much like they did this, this year, maybe they get lucky, maybe things break their way and they're able to get in the wild card game again. But again, I don't think that playoffs is the end all be all for them this year. I think the development and answering some of these questions that they have on the roster with all this competition is going to go a long way for them. And I just hope for their sake, obviously the development of Justin Fields goes well, the development of guys like Tevin Jenkins go well, you know, they get things figured out along this roster. So that way they can go in with a much clearer picture next year in terms of what they need to do to really open that competitive window. Cause like we talked about, there's a pretty good chance is Aaron Rodgers last year, which means things really open up in 2022 and beyond, because I don't think there's much that Minnesota can do to really, you know, widen the gap between them and the bears. I think the gap's very close between them right now for second place. And if green Bay somehow falls off or if Aaron Rodgers goes down, I think the division's absolutely up for grabs. But again, I think the, the focus moving into training camp preseason in the season has to be more long-term. And for that reason, I think there's a lot to be excited. Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad football is just finally back and I think it's going to be an exciting training camp and we'll have all the coverage here on the bear report. I'll be out at the practices starting tomorrow. Uh, should be there almost every single day. We'll have daily notebooks, um, storylines, things like that. Make sure to check that all out. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep. You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL and you can read my work on the bear Awesome. You can follow the bear report on Twitter at just bear report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. Follow all of our writers. Um, check out the picks for pace podcast as well. Check out our homepage for daily training camp coverage. I already had a bunch of stories put up today from the, from the uh, presser and a couple more coming later tonight. Be on the outlook for that. And until next time, everyone, please stay safe. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.